Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love to talk to creative people, um, but this week I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that at all. I had a guest lined up, but they got laryngitis, so we're going to push that back. And instead, this episode's going to be all like a So This Happened, which is what I do at the end of the podcast, and this is what happened. So this happened, I went to my 40-year high school reunion. So I'm going to tell you some stuff about it. Um, it was kind of amazing. I loved it. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to remind you that there are two ways you can listen to this podcast. You can listen through whatever podcast app you love, uh, and you'll get those on Thursday. Or you can become a subscriber to Derek and Romaine Studios, DNR Studios. And for twelve ninety five a month, you'll get my show earlier, and you'll get a whole other bunch of great shows as well, including the Derek and Romaine Show, which is the flagship show, as they say. So you can learn about that at dnrstudios.com. Also, I have a uh, voicemail. If you want to leave me a message sometime about the show, I may play it. one 647 9653 All right, so that's enough of the housekeeping. Now I'm going to tell you about my high school reunion. So I grew up in a little town called Holbrook, Arizona, uh, 90 miles east of Flagstaff on Route 66. It had about 5,000 people when we were growing up, but I don't know how many it has now because the... Freeway bypassed it, kind of like in that Pixar movie Cars, and it became um, a lot of, you know, all of the tourist-type stuff kind of uh, paid a big price for that. But it's still kicking. It's still there. And so I went back, and it was kind of amazing. I'm surprised how meaningful it was and fun it was. The the festivities start on Friday night, uh, but I am on the train going there, and I couldn't uh, leave a day earlier because I was doing EPK interviews for Dancing with the Stars for ABC. How very glamorous is that? Um, so I get there. I missed the first little opening reception on Friday night. Saturday, there's a lunch uh, at a picnic place, and then um, Saturday night, there's a dinner, and then Sunday, there's a little farewell brunch. So that's kind of the weekend. Um, and I think because I grew up in a small town, and there were like, I don't know, 180 of us in the graduating class. We had about 40-something show up. And because we all sort of knew each other, it was so nice to see everybody. I was, I was surprised at how meaningful and profound it was. And one of the things you start doing is one person remembers something, but you don't remember it at all. Like my friend Holly remembered when we were in seminary, which is... Seminary is a Mormon class that you would take during traditional high school as like an elective. So you would leave the campus and go across the street to this Mormon seminary building and study Mormon stuff. And we were kind of rebels, and she was like the seminary president in our class, like like the leader of the class. And one day she got up and said, you know, I want to play a very thoughtful piece of music that I think we should all be reflecting on during this time. And Dick gave this very serious spiritual setup. And then I hit the music and it was Olivia Newton-John's physical. And we thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And I don't remember it at all, but I'm sure I would have done it because, A, I was playing that album nonstop my senior year. But she and my other friend Michelle remembered it vividly and that we just thought it was so funny. And the teacher, who was named Brother Norton, was not amused at all. But, um, so that's something that happened. But one of the other things that happened, my senior year graduation night, my family had a pool in the backyard, uh, and it was covered. I know, I, I, I know. It made me very popular, and it was kind of an awesome thing, and I swam in it this time for the first time in decades um, while I was there because my nephew now lives in the house. So anyway, on graduation night, a group of us ended up 
at my place at the pool and we're swimming and all that stuff. And it's, there's like seven of us and somehow it, it ends up with all of us skinny dipping. And it was like one of those things that I'm not sure how it happened, but five of the seven skinny dippers were at the reunion. So during the luncheon, we got together and I whipped out my iPhone recorder and I recorded the five of us talking about what we remember about that night because that night was sort of epic in my memory because it was so out of character for me. It happened in my own house and it was one of those things that I always have a little swagger about like that that happened and we didn't get caught luckily. Um, and a lot of times in you don't know my life, there's a skinny dipping story and I always tell that story. So Five of us were th- together of the seven at the reunion, and we talked about the night we all went skinny dipping. Um, you're going to hear the voices of me, Mark, Diana, Deborah, and JD, uh, five of the seven. And uh, I won't put their last names because, you know what, it's a scandalous thing, and they may try to run for office at some point. But uh, here we are talking about skinny dipping, and you may find it... Like, who cares? And that's fine. But it's also, I think, maybe it'll resonate with some of the stuff that you remember from when you were younger. So here we are. Okay, so we're piecing together the night that we all remember. Uh, graduation night, my house. Seven of us ended up nude in a pool. We have seven different memories. So, Mark, what do you remember? What do you remember about that? Because my memory is that you were the instigator. Well, how did you end up at the at Genesis house? Do you remember? I think we were all just riding around town, cruising, like we used to do. Taking laps. And uh, the evening was was uh, dwindling down, places were closing, and we were all looking for a place to go, and we ended up at Dennis's pool. There was swimming happening. What do you re- You started the skinny dipping yeah, idea. Whose idea was it? That's what we were I feel like you were the instigator. You walked in. We're all hanging I'm out. I feel like I'm really being put on <laughs> We don't remember. We don't. We don't already talked. We've memory. already talked about this. I think Vicky was. I thought Vicky. Was I think we all really wanted to go swimming, and nobody brought a swimsuit because we were out cruising yeah, around town, nice. and we improvised <laughs> or failed to improvise. I I am better way to put it. Either Vicky or you, Diana, said, "Hey, Mark, let's go skinny dipping." Oh, yeah, yeah. It was me. I could see Diana. It was Vicky and me that were talking about it. And so here's my memory. Mark's like, "Okay." Boom! Drop trout. Yeah, and ran into the you, pool. You, there was no You hesitation. were the first one in, and you were on that diving board. I will never forget. <laughs> and then somebody took your towel. Oh no! Somebody, no, somebody, 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 towel. somebody took a towel, and Marcos. I need a towel. And somebody, I feel like it was you, that might have said, come and get it. <laughs> right? Does anyone remember this? That's a biotic thing. are piecing this together yeah, like it's a yeah, murder. I would say that. I was probably the only one in the pool at that point. At the, you, were the, you were the pioneer, the, the, the trailblazer, if you will. Okay. And I was... Did you fall through? Well, yes, but I'm nervous because this is my house. And this is like a risky business situation. Mom could come walking I'm out kid. at any moment. Yeah. You, you voiced that, by the way. I was. Yeah, I, remember I remember him protesting. Treading water and like nobody touch anybody. Like they just got. It's almost like yeah. social distancing already. And yeah. It was the original social distancing. And I think it was a minimum of six feet, just at least, because nobody wanted to get close to anybody else. But it was kind of dark, so you couldn't. It was see dark. Yeah, anyway. We had the lights off. We had the lights off. We're not crazy. And I remember saying, you guys, what do we do? If my parents walk in, what do we do? And somebody goes, act natural. And my friend Tommy goes, well, you can't get any more natural than this. 
And I don't know how the night ended, how we got out of there. Well, I remember going one-to-one into the changing room. Yeah. We, we all go change and pull out the towel and kind of waddle over to the pool and then slip in. And Marco, wow. and then you were all in the pool. You get out there, and I said, like, I'm going to go on the diving board. That's a great We're all like, eyes popping up. Okay. That was I, did, the I did. I got out of the pool. No, that was Mark. Was it Mark? That was Mark on the diving board. I, I remember, I Dennis. Maybe you followed me. You got me through a lot of lonely nights. No, I'm <laughs> I don't remember going on the diving board. I want to believe that I'm the kind of person that would have, but I don't think I was. Thank you, Deborah. Yeah, no, no, I was. Maybe it was Mark then. He was like this. I've been living for 40 years. My understanding that night was you were the one on the diving board. My life is in ruins. It's all different, yeah. Your whole life is in That happens to a lot of my memories these days. You can ask Deborah, Vicky, and myself. We know who was on the diving board that night. Okay. And it was Mark. Where is Vicky? We don't know where Vicky yeah, is. I texted Vicky. her earlier. I see so, Mercy on the Facebook. The other thing that I remember was Diana was jumping up and down in the water. Oh. I was Vicky. It's like, ooh, this is, feels good. Right. And, and It was, it was kind Vicky. of liberating. Like, it was kind of like, <laughs> right? And like, <laughs> Except I for the shrinkage. I mean, they, they know yes. about that, right? Right. Believe it? Yeah. <laughs> Can't stand you. But I remember, like, but you have to fool you. Somehow we did it and didn't get caught. Everything was great, and I remember, like, Swing Thing Tour was leaving to California, like the next day or soon after. But I remember getting on the bus and being like, having a little swagger, like I did this thing, right? Did anyone else? Good kids, though. That that's why it was so. Um, it was so. It was so. Yeah, like, it was a departure from our normal. From our normal. normal uh, Have you been drinking that night, Mark? Maybe. Maybe. I don't think it would have happened. I think probably yes. And was it late? Are we talking? Did this all happen at like one in the morning or is it like ten? No, I think it was about one in the morning. It was late. It was late. And once we got in the water, we were there for a while. Yeah, we stayed in the water for a while because we stayed in our corners. We were that screamed at me and said, don't do it any closer. Do you remember that? Yeah. Not another foot. I was like, but I don't think I got close to Deborah. I think we were like, we weren't even close to each other. The girls were. We were all, all of us were kind of freaked out. And we're all in the pool. And we're just like, ah, and we're like little hyenas because we're in the pool. Did anyone go down the slide? I don't remember anyone yeah. doing this. No, because we just slid right on. <laughs> Something to give you a little bit of, you know. Yeah. The girls didn't. I remember the girls didn't. We didn't get out of the pool. Yeah. So it's time to. But how did we all get out? I think everyone just. I think we got the towels and stuff. We had our towels. Somebody had to be the pioneer. Maybe that was the come and get it. Like, no, but this was before we had all gotten in. You were in, and you were going to get out of the pool. 
Because you're like, oh right. man, this None just of happened. None of us were in yet when you got in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you were in. And you wanted now. the towel. I and remember. I said, come and get it. I yeah, remember that. Come over here, little boy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We pieced together. For, for, for a group of, what was it, seven people that seven. were skinny pippin', we really didn't see anything. No, <laughs> it was dark. Does it even count? Nobody touched each other. It, it was count? dark. I don't know. Maybe somebody had had a drink. I certainly hadn't. We, no. Some, some Did you guys stop? Some of us. When you went off the bed. Oh, I was looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that light will always live. That's a wrap. All right. I hope that was moderately entertaining. Um, it was fun to remember things about it that other people remembered that I didn't remember. But as I said, like, I'm, I, I really wear that that happened with a badge of honor. Um, some of the other things that happened over the weekend of my reunion, I actually got to go swim in the pool um, where I spent so much time growing up. I went down by myself. It was like right before I got on the train to come back to L.A. And it just was peaceful and beautiful and refreshing and cool, and I loved it. Also, my town has the distinction of having two buildings that clearly used to be Pizza Huts, because they're shaped like Pizza Huts, but that are no longer Pizza Huts, and a third building that is, in fact, a Pizza Hut that looks like it's not a Pizza Hut, or it's just a regular building. So, two former Pizza Huts. Um, I love one there. And one's like an insurance agency, and one's like a diner, which is where we had our farewell brunch. So, in a sense, we did eat at a Pizza Hut. I mean... When we got a Pizza Hut in my hometown, oh my gosh, it was the first pizza we had, really. Um, and they had the smorgasbord lunch, and there are still songs to this day that I'm like, oh, that's a Pizza Hut jukebox song, like Still the One by Orleans and Blinded by the Light by Manfred Mann. And Still the One I had to get for my own jukebox because it's just such a jukebox song. So, yeah, so th that's fun about my hometown. Um, the other thing was my sister. Donna, who I stayed with, said, you have a bunch of old board games in the house I grew up in, which my nephew now lives in, and they're trying to get rid of stuff so they can put in new floors, blah, blah, blah. So go look at these board games, see if you want anything. So I go down there, and oh my God, the memories flood back. Uh, all these games I used to play, um, like the Mad Magazine game, the Bugaloos game, Who Done It, which was like a clue knockoff. Um, but the game that I had to take home with me was the match game. I have the home version of the match game, and it looks just like the TV show in 1976. I loved home versions of games, and I would make them play them all the time. So just today when I was looking at the match game, I opened it up, and there were all these handwritten questions in there. So I started writing match game questions probably when I was like 10, and here they are. Here's a few of them. I haven't read these yet, uh, all of them. There's like five. Uh, so these are questions that I wrote when I was a kid to play Match Game, and now here I'm doing it. I'm doing it this coming weekend at Gay Days, the 17th, and also uh, back at the center on October 15th and 16th. So, wow, this was probably a 40-year-old mismatch game question that I wrote. Okay. Mildred said, Jerry better quit picking his nose in church or I'll have to hit him over the head with my blank. Now, what's noteworthy about this question is... Mildred and Jerry were a couple in our town. I'm sure I ripped these right from my own life. They were a couple in our church, and they were very um, religious and sort of a little bit like, I don't know, you always felt like they were looking, looking at you and what are you doing wrong. And I remember Mildred came up to me at my father's uh, memorial and said, 
first thing she said to me, you're losing your hair. So anyway, I guess they were our target for if we needed somebody to make fun of that was super churchy. Okay, here's another question that I wrote. Jack said, I just got to stop wearing high water pants. People keep mistaking me for blank. I don't know what that answer would be. Unless there was some kid in my school that wore high waters and we were just trying to make fun of him. Man, there was a lot of that in my life. Like making fun of people for not being cool or making, I don't know. It was all of us just trying to mask our insecurity, right? I went through my yearbooks after graduation and wrote so many mean things about people. And I'm like, oh, not cute. But for a while, it was super cute. It was like, oh, I'm edgy. And then I was like, "Mm, this is so clearly somebody that was insecure themselves. Okay. Here's another question I wrote, a match game question. John said, I just bought the shortest book in the world. It's called Loose Pants Worn by Blank. Oh, so let's fat shame somebody and match game. Thank you, Dennis. That's charming. Okay. Here's another one. In Hollywood today, the Jacobs just got their own show. It's called blank. I don't know who the Jacobs are, but clearly I wanted to make fun of them, and they were going to have their own show. I really don't know who the Jacobs are. There, weren't, there was a girl in my class named Tracy Jacobs who I really like, so, and I, don't, I didn't know much about her family, so I can't imagine what that question is about. Okay, here's another question that I wrote. The director said, this movie is really miscast. How miscast is it, people might be saying. It's the life story of Dolly Parton, and they have blank in the starring role. That's kind of cute. Like, it would be somebody that would not play Dolly. Maybe somebody that did not have the boobs for it. All right. That's not awful. Okay, and here's another question. My final uh, match game question that I wrote when I was, like, 10. So long as there are Goodyear blimps, Blake will always have the job. Man, another fat shamey question. Damn. All right. You know what, though? I've I've also evolved uh, in terms of compassion, but also I don't like to put blanks in the middle of a question unless I absolutely can't figure out how to make it work otherwise. I think you got to end with the blank. And on Drag Race during Snatch Game, they often have a blank, not at the end. And I think it undermines the comedy. But... They didn't hire me, so fuck them. They don't need to know that. All right. The other thing that's fun about the match game box that I opened, the game, I had written 12 celebrity names that were going to be the celebrities that you would put in the little game board that stood up. And here are the 12 celebrities who apparently were my dream celebrities, my dream panel. Not a one of them is fuckable. Spoiler alert. Okay. Richard Dawson, Jack Cassidy... Sarah Kennedy, no idea who that is, no idea. Does anyone know who that is? It's, I know it's a celebrity. I know it's not like somebody in the neighborhood. So if anyone knows, let me know. Brett Summers, got to have her in the mix. Charles Nelson Riley, of course, classic. Buck Owens, the country singer I decided I wanted in the panel, in the mix. That's a shock. That's not as shocking as Sarah Kennedy, who I don't know who is, but it's still a shock. Alan Ludden, you know, the Betty White husband. And Betty White, I I have her in the mix. See, I was really early on Betty White appreciation. Fanny Flagg is there. Uh, Carol Burnett, not a match game person, but I must have liked her enough to want her to be in there. Gary Berghoff, Radar from MASH, should definitely be one of the 12. And Mary Tyler Moore was my other one. Um, I feel like Carol Burnett and Mary Tyler Moore are not match game people. I don't think they ever did it. 
but you could tell that they were icons of the era, and I wanted them in there. Probably not as much as I wanted Sarah Kennedy, but still, I wanted them in the mix. Um, let's see, what else happened at my reunion? Oh, so the main dinner, it's like a sit-down dinner, and it's like the fancy thing that happened. And so I show up there, and the organizers, who are all old friends of mine, one of them, Wanda, comes up and goes, you're emceeing. And they, <laughs> she just gave me a little list of, like, most kids traveled the furthest, like those kind of things. And I'm emceeing, I guess. So I didn't know this, but I'm like, all right, I can roll with this. I do a lot of this uh, kind of stuff. And so I kind of thought for a bit about, like, what can I talk about? Like, how there was no mic, so we're just going to wing it. And um, I hit on something that I feel pretty good, and I think it worked, which is in my school, growing up, elementary, all through, if you acted out and misbehaved, you got spanked with a paddle. You got hit in the ass with a paddle. And all of the teachers had paddles, and they would display them behind their desk in the classroom like, you know what, this is going to come your way if you, if you don't behave. Like it was, they were like a little foreboding, like a, just like, like to be scared of the paddle on the wall. And some people had bigger ones and they had holes. And anyway, so I sort of was like, okay, who got swats in school? And I told my story about getting a swat when I was in fourth grade. Uh, three girls ganged up on me, two of whom were in the room. When we, uh, when I was emceeing, and we all recalled our getting swats by Mr. McKee, and other people were telling stories. And anyway, everyone just sort of, a lot of people had stories and kind of jumped up and and told what happened, and 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 it was fun. It was lively. It was kind of irreverent. Um, and then the other thing I brought up is I was trying to remember scandals, right? Because people would get going on scandals. Um, I brought up. We used to have bonfires for homecoming, and there was a competition between each of the grades, freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior, to collect boxes. And whoever brought the most boxes for the bonfire won a prize. Well, there was one year that it turned into war. It was so intense. People were so obsessed with boxes. We were going to neighboring towns. Like, it was just nuts. And a group of students from our class broke into a semi-truck thinking they were boxes that another class had, and it turned out that that was, you know, brand-new furniture, and there was a chandelier in one of the boxes. So they got hauled down to the, the police station, and two of the students that were friends of mine, I was not there for the chandelier night, but two of them told the story about going down to the, to the uh, police station and, you know, having the fear of God put into them, although they didn't get swats. Uh, apparently, the physical violence was left for the schools, um, but it was so intense that they quit doing the bonfire after that. That was the end. But it would make a good high school movie, like just Battle of the Boxes and people losing their minds. We were, we were obsessed with it. Um, and then after that, I talked about the Roxy Theater, which is in my hometown, and I always loved it. It was, it was the movie theater, and it's open still. I went there on Sunday after the reunion was over, with a friend of mine from back in the day named Natalie, and we saw Spider-Man. And we were like, there were only four of us in the theater, but it just brought back so many memories. It was so fun to be at the Roxy. And I'm so glad that it still exists. It was five bucks. You know, can't beat that. Can't beat that prize. So I told the story about, you know, as, as I saw, I was asking if anyone had Roxy theater memories, and I told the story about how I went there once. This was college. This was, this would have been after college, I think. Uh, and it was a double feature or during college. This would have been after high school. 
Uh, and it was a double feature of Grease 2 and Xanadu. And then I said to the group, I'm like, if, you, if you're gay, you get it. And I don't know. It was just like, I thought about it later. I was like, when I went to the 10-year reunion, I wasn't out yet. And it just was like, it felt really good to just be able to be myself with these people that I've known all my life. And uh, anyway, uh, Grease 2, Xanadu, the power went out in the whole building, in the whole town, pretty much. And it was pandemonium in the theater. People were throwing red vines and... It was just hilarious. And this went on for a while. And it finally looked like the lights were going to come back on. So they ushered us out of the theater. And they would not give us a refund because they said it was an act of God. And I was like, you know what? Xanadu and Grease 2 aren't great. But I don't know if God would step in. But apparently he did. And we didn't get a refund. But it was a really great memory. But um, it was just overall the weekend. It was surprising how moving it was and fun and great to be with these people. We went to the Dairy Queen. We, uh, I had a ton of green chili, which is my favorite food at the first day at the picnic. They had a food truck from Romo's, uh, from a guy named Romo, who is a legendary name in my town for Mexican food. And, um, I went to the window and I was like, I don't care what it is, but I want it doused in green chili. I told the, the person taking the orders. So they called me to the window and the guy's like, we're out of green chili. And I was like, ha funny, funny. Cause I thought he heard my shtick. I thought he was doing a bit, but it turns out, no, they were out. <laughs> they were out. They underestimated the demand for green chili from people who had not been in Holbrook for a long time. So he made me more green chili. It took a little while to make, but he made it for me and whipped it up and it was everything I dreamed of. Uh, and so I got my fix um, what else was fun that happened is I got to, uh, reconnect with my siblings, um, my two sisters and my brother and my brother, uh, his name's Doug, who is, I don't know, nine years older than me, something like that. We've always gotten along fine, but we've never been super close. Uh, my sister said, oh, he has a puzzle or something for you. And I was like, okay. And we need to go pick it up. All right. So we go pick it up and it turns out it's a jigsaw puzzle that my mom and I used to do jigsaw puzzles together. And so apparently this one she had saved on a piece of cardboard and my brother found it like up on top of a filing cabinet or something. And so it's called the hardest jigsaw puzzle in the world. And what it is, it's a cartoon of like a golf course with all these crazy scenarios at a golf course and all these like cartoon people, which is definitely the kind of puzzle we would have done. Those are my favorite kinds, all those cartoons. But it's the same on both sides, only rotated 90 degrees. So it's a puzzle that you would have to, I don't know how we did it. I don't remember doing that particular puzzle, but it's the kind of puzzle that we would have absolutely done. And my brother had it mounted in plexiglass so you could see both sides with these screws that he made. He just did it himself. And he had it boxed up and ready to ship in styrofoam. And it was so thoughtful of him to save this puzzle and now I have it um, on display in my place. And truthfully, I don't remember this puzzle, but it is absolutely the kind of puzzle we love to do. And I don't remember the two-sidedness of it. But that he went to all that trouble and, and mounted it on plexiglass because he wanted to, you know, honor the two-sidedness of it. And all the pieces were there. It was just amazing. And it was, it was really, uh, I was really touched by that. So um, I also want to give a shout-out to the organizers of the reunion. They did an awesome job putting everything together. And um, everything was super fun and moving. Let me see if I have anything else on my list about my hometown. Oh, here's another fun thing about the Roxy. It used to be a double feature, and about five minutes into the second movie, 
they would slip this piece of paper onto the projector so it showed in the theater and it says snack bar closes in five minutes and everyone would run up and get more snacks. And I just, whenever I, you know, see an auteur or a fancy movie with Coppola interviewed in LA, I just think, man, they would lose their minds if somebody put up in the middle of their movie snack bar closes in five minutes. But you know what? Snacks are important. They are. They're part of the experience. So there's that. And then me and my two sisters went to dinner at the El Rancho. And, you know, every time I go home, there's like this this restaurant has gone downhill or this one's back again and they got the cook back. There's always like like uh, updates on what restaurants like I remember it. And let me just say the El Rancho, I don't know who, if it's the same owner or different owners, but it tasted just like I remember. I had that green chili meatbro, ground beef, enchilada style, and a green chili cheese crisp and a sopapilla, which, you know, these are not things you get in LA and it was just everything I wanted. I also took the train, which I loved uh, from LA. I loved taking the train right on time. Got me off right like 30 minutes from my town. Sister picked me up at five in the morning. It was all it was all golden. And before I wrap this episode up, thank you for indulging my high school hijinks. I have one more bit of uh, audio for you. Um, I guess I just want to say overall that I was surprised how much I enjoyed it and how meaningful it was. So if you have opportunities for things like that that come up, my advice is try to check them out. Try to go because... It might be even better than you think it might be in terms of how it feels to be there. It just felt so good to be there and to see all those people. And uh, we're still here, and, and um, it made me appreciate where I came from. And, um, and people got along. There wasn't a lot of clicks back then. Um, it was, there was something really beautiful about it, even though we didn't have a mall, but we had each other. Maybe that's the name of the book that I write about. It. Okay, here's the final piece of sound. My um, my sister's grandson, I guess that would make him my great nephew, Jason. He has a really funny way of dealing with phone solicitors who call and, and ask for money. So um, this was a call. I think they wanted money for a political donation, and this is how he dealt with that call. I'm not really interested in that right now. But I got a question. Answer me. I know I'm not answering the questions you're asking. I don't care about those questions. I'm 11. I don't care about all kinds of presidential crap. I just want to know the question. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Hello? Hello? All right, that's enough for this week. I hope you enjoyed this kind of different episode. I really enjoyed being back home, and um, it was fun to talk about with you. I want to give a shout-out to AJ Sousa for his mixing and uh, JB Bercy for helping with additional technical support. My theme music is composed by Mark Daniels and licensed through Placement Music. Oh, and speaking of the Mismatch Game, if you are in Southern California this weekend, we're going to be doing a special Mismatch Game show as part of Gay Days Anaheim at Gay Days. So you can learn more about that at gaydaysanaheim.com. It's going to be Saturday night, the 17th at 7 o'clock at the Grand Californian Hotel. Hope to see you there. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye! Bye!